this morning was incredible. I feel like I don't need to share because everything I was going to say was pretty much said. <laughs> um, wow, he's amazing, isn't he? That he would even just go before us and, and prepare us for what he wants to share this morning. And we just want to say thank you so much. As a body of people, you've been such an, an, a huge encouragement to us, such a blessing. And um, we always feel so supported and honored by you guys and really encouraged. So we just say thank you from the bottom of our heart. Um, yeah, let's get straight into it. I'm going to start by praying. And then um, we're going to be looking at Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Yeah. So, Father, we just thank you that your presence is here. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're in our midst. You're, you're so in this place, and we thank you that you're moving on hearts, and you have wonderful plans and glorious things that you want to do. And we just say yes and amen to that. We just ask, Lord God, that you'd speak through us as we share, and that you'd be here, and you'd just give us that opportunity and that grace to respond to what you want in this time. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're going to start um, by, by reading the scripture from Romans 12. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brothers and sisters, or brethren, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. That's the, that's the bit that gets me. That you may prove what is that good and perfect and acceptable will of God. Does everyone know that God has got a good and perfect and acceptable will of God for, for, for all our lives? And there's a process that we can go through to prove that to say yes and amen to that, to make that happen in our lives. And the fact that it says that you may prove what is that good and acceptable will of God maybe shows that there is sometimes incidences when, when that doesn't come to pass. Um, I know, for example, people who've had some really amazing prophetic words and maybe they, they've gone on to know Jesus and gone on to be with Jesus and they haven't fully come to pass. So there's sometimes a process of, of partnering with what God's doing to have the fullness of his glorious plans come in our lives and in our region, in our city. Um, and we're going to look at the clues that are in these verses on how that can happen. We're going to, there's many things in these verses. We're going to focus on three things. And the three things we're going to focus on is, first of all, it says, I beseech you, therefore, by the mercies of God. And the first thing I want to share about is, it's so important that we know and we even experience the mercies of God. So number one is knowing the mercies of God. And even this morning as we were in worship, people came up and shared from their heart as, as the Spirit led them about the mercies of God. And there's so much in the scriptures about the mercies of God. And actually this place where it is in Romans chapter 12, there's 11 chapters before that, where it's basically talking about the mercies of God, the wonder of, of his grace, the, the, the just how extravagant and wonderful he is towards us. It says things like... Though, oh sorry, through one man's righteous act, which was Jesus dying on the cross, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. So justification means that God, that we are, we are right standing before God. We're completely um, judged acceptable in his sight. That, uh, that, that Jesus would do that, that his righteous act of dying on the cross 
A single righteous act would give us all the ability to be right standing before God, to be justified in his sight. (laughs) I don't know about you, but to me that is extravagant mercy, that he would do that for us. So it's important to know about the mercy of God, and it's all through Romans and in other scriptures as well. We get to be called children of the living God, as we shared this morning in Romans 8. It says there's now no condemnation towards us when we're in Christ Jesus. And there's so much more I could go through. Um, Another one, it says, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? He's an extravagant God that we serve. He's a merciful and extravagant God. And he wants the fullness of his will to happen in our lives. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And he says, neither height nor depth, angels or demons, you know, you might know the scripture, should be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus of our Lord. So when I'm setting the context of what we're about to say, myself and Molly, it's all with the context of knowing about the extravagant and wonderful mercies of God, that he would choose us and want to give his best to us. And we've experienced that in our own lives. He's amazing. <laughs> what a wonderful God to have. So we're going to have an opportunity, maybe if there's some people in here who, who haven't yet experienced that, that side of God, haven't yet experienced his mercy or received his forgiveness, we're going to have an opportunity at the end to pray. And um, that's the first step, in my mind, of these three steps that we're talking about. So number one is knowing and experiencing the mercies of God. Number two is presenting ourselves as a living sacrifice to God. Now I want to start like this, this section by... Um, sharing a little bit of a testimony. I actually became a Christian. I was, was from a non-Christian family. I became a Christian when I was about 18, 19 at university. And I, I believe that I did pray to accept Jesus as my savior. I prayed a prayer. My friend guided me. But for about four years, really, no one really knew that I was a Christian. I didn't really have much fruit. And um, my friend, I didn't really have much of that outworking in my life. But there was one time when I moved to a new city and um, it's a really difficult and challenging time in my life. It was the middle of winter. I was actually really close to having a nervous breakdown. And I was in the middle of my bed and, and uh, in the middle of the night. And I cried out to God. And I said, God, help me. And I had this thought, get on your knees. Now, back then I had no grid for, for how to hear Holy Spirit. Now I'd recognize that thought as, as maybe Holy Spirit speaking through to me. Because sometimes he speaks to us through our thoughts. But then I had no idea. But I thought even though it's freezing cold, I know it's uncomfortable, out of bed, I'm going to go for it because I, I need resolution. So I got on my knees and I said the same prayer. I said, God, I don't believe you. I don't believe your word. I, I'm struggling with this. I'm struggling with that. It's a really intense season. And then something really powerful happened. And, and people were talking about the encounter that you can have with God this morning when they were prophesying, when they were sharing. Um, something really powerful happened. My body started to shake. And basically, it's cut a long story short. And I had no grid for this. I'd never seen it before. It wasn't learned behavior. I was from a half Anglican, half Baptist church until that point. So, so, but God was doing something powerful. My body was shaking. And I saw a partial vision. And basically in the vision, I saw Jesus stood next to a pile of things. He didn't say a word. And I was stood here and I was holding on to some things. Now I'd asked him for resolution and he was showing me the way to get resolution. And these things that I was clinging on to, they were so precious to me. They were so important to me. And I knew that what the cost would be that I would lose them. But I asked for help and he was showing me the way, so I did. And, I, and in the kind of picture, I kind of gave it to him and I started crying. And that kind of triggered 
a, a few events of him doing amazing things. It, that, that moment changed me. But, but I believe that that moment of surrender was, was, was the start of a hugely impactful change in our lives, in the fruitfulness. And long story short, people around us started getting impacted. Knowing the mercies of God and, and, and surrendering all to him as Lord, not just my Savior, actually people started to, to get impacted as well. I wasn't even in the same city, but my family started getting saved. My parents started believing in Jesus. My, my siblings, my aunties and uncles, people started moving. It wasn't me. I, it was just one spreading to another. But I believe that when I submitted to him as king, his kingdom was able to come. Because it's not just about knowing him as savior, but it's actually knowing him as Lord and king as well. Because we want the kingdom of God to come. But the kingdom of God means that he's in charge. We pray for the kingdom of God to come in Grimsby. We pray for his kingdom to come. But, but some of us have the mentality that his kingdom is like the United Kingdom. Maybe it's a constitutional monarchy. You know, We the people are in charge and our representatives make the law. We get to decide. But actually... I used to have that point of view as well. Actually, he's the king and he's the Lord, and it's his kingdom. And the prayer says, in the Lord's prayer, it says, your kingdom come, but what's it followed by? Your will be done. Which shows that the kingdom of God is coming when his will is done in our lives and in our city. So to put it back in, in, into to where we're looking today, it says that you may prove what is that good and acceptable, perfect will of God. And it says about giving yourself as a living sacrifice. Now, I believe that when it says sacrifice, it actually also means like a willful gift because, because it's just a free gift in, in adoration, in worship. And that's because we have an awareness of how merciful and how wonderful he is. And I know so many people who've given their lives as a response because they've gotten a revelation of just how wonderful he is. And you won't want to do anything else. So that's what it's talking about in, in these scriptures and the power of it. Um, and I'm not saying, you know, if your family aren't getting saved or whatever, it's because you haven't made him king. Actually, there's a lot of factors that are involved in that. But I am just trying to highlight that, that there was a dead, genuine difference in the fruit in my life from before and after when I actually bowed my knees to the Lord, when I actually said that you are king, you're the master. And he's, he's just the most amazing king. He's the best. He's wonderful. He's glorious. And he's better at leading my life than, than I am. Um, <clears throat> in some translations, it's translated the reign of God. So the Young's literal translation, instead of saying seek first his kingdom, it says seek first his reign and his righteousness, and then all these things will be given to you. It's a beautiful thing if you put it like that, the reign of God. Seek first his reign in your life and his righteousness. Um, one more thing I'm going to say before I pass it on to Molly and talk about the renewing of the mind is um, there are also places in Scripture, there are also other benefits to this. And I'm, I felt to emphasize this. Um, for example, is anyone familiar with the part in James where it says, resist the devil and he will flee from you? Yeah? Or there's a part in Peter that said, your adversary, your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Resist him. Does anyone know what the theme is in both of them verses that's the same preceding that verse that says, resist him? In James, it says, therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. In First Peter, it says, therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. And then it goes on to say, resist him. So there's, there's a submitting to God's kingdom, which actually allows us to resist the devil's kingdom. 
There's a a humbling ourselves under the mighty hand of God, which actually allows us to resist the devil's kingdom. And in the end, it says, anyway, every knee will bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. Every knee. So we might as well get in on it while we get the benefits of having the most glorious king, being a part of the most wonderful kingdom, and having beautiful promises fulfilled in our lives. So number one, knowing and experiencing the mercy of God. Number two, presenting ourselves as a living sacrifice to God. And number three, being transformed by the renewing of our mind. So I'm going to invite Molly up to share about that. And um, then we're going to have a bit of ministry time at the end. So I just loved this morning hearing uh, Steve's dream about the hoverflies. For me, it just so resonated with what I wanted to speak about this morning. So thank you so much for sharing that. For me, um, the theme this morning has all been about freedom. And I believe what I'm going to share is going to bring some of us into new levels of freedom and transformation and breakthrough. So I'm excited. So let's just go back to Romans 12 too. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. I'm just going to read that verse in the Passion Translation. Uh, Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. The reason that I'm so passionate and so excited about sharing with this, uh, this, this topic with you this morning is because this last year I have received so much freedom and breakthrough when I've partnered with Holy Spirit in having my mind renewed. I don't know about you, but I look at so many Christians in the church that maybe have been Christians for decades and they haven't seen the level of transformation um, that maybe they'd have hoped. I believe partly this is because they aren't renewing their minds. Bill Johnson says, we get saved by believing in Jesus, but we get transformed by believing like Jesus. How did Jesus think? He's the perfect example of what a fully renewed mind looked like. He faced every situation with confidence and dependence on on his father. He operated from a different reality, a kingdom reality. Every obstacle was an opportunity to reveal the goodness of God. When we get saved, we become new creations. We become citizens of a new kingdom with completely different rules, different logic. In many ways, it's completely upside down. Our minds need renewing to this reality. And as in the Passion Translation, I I love that translation because it talks about how it's the Holy Spirit that helps us renew our minds. And we're so blessed that we have the Holy Spirit in us. And he is making us more and more like Jesus. But I want to talk about how we can partner with him in the process of renewing our minds. So let's just quickly go back to the word transformed for a moment. It's mentioned three times in the Bible. In Romans, what we've just read, and in the transfiguration of Jesus, which is in three of the Gospels, the word transformation and transfiguration are exactly the same word. And I believe this is a fantastic illustration of what can happen to us believers as our minds are being renewed. And then the third time it's mentioned is in 2 Corinthians 3.18. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. 
What an amazing truth that we are being transformed into the very likeness of Jesus. That as we behold him, we are, we are being transformed into, him, in, into the very image of Jesus. Such an amazing promise. And I believe that this is key. This is the first and most important key of, our, of renewing our minds. That as we behold the glory of God, we become more and more like him. The more we abide in God's presence, the more we um, wash ourselves in his word, the more we worship him and behold his glory and his goodness, the more we know his heart, how he thinks, we become more and more like him. We see things from his perspective. It is proven that we become like the people we spend most of our time with. Um, okay, so the second thing I want to share. So obviously the most important thing is we behold God. Because what we become, we, be, we, we become what we behold. The second key I want to share is the importance of humility and surrender. Steve talked about surrendering our bodies um, as a living sacrifice. Um, for me, surrendering my mind was much harder than surrendering my body. Our feelings and our experiences and our past and what we believe seems so true. It feels like our personality is who we are. But we need to let go of things that have defined us that are not of him. As they are preventing us from being transformed into the likeness of Jesus. Often these can be mindsets that we've had since childhood. And often mindsets we've had before we were saved. And it's always a humble process to recognize there's a need for a mindset shift. The third key is identifying the lies that we're believing. By nature of a deception, we don't realize we're being deceived. We all have blind spots. But we are blessed that we have Holy Spirit who is taking us from one degree of glory to the next. He is a genius and he loves to reveal to us those, those lies that we're believing. And often a way I find it helpful to identify that I'm believing a lie is areas in my life I'm feeling hopeless or anxious um, or lack of joy. For me, this is like a check engine light on my car. It's indicating there's something wrong, that I'm believing a lie. Then, I just, then we just have to come to God and say, Lord, would you show us the lies that we're believing, the roots of the problem? And once we identify that lie, we need to renounce that lie and stop partnering with it. Stop empowering the lies. Then the fourth key is, is getting God's perspective. When we give God out the lies that we've been leaving, when we surrender them to him, he always gives us the truth to replace that lie. Repentance is simply a process of thinking in a higher way, thinking from God's perspective. And, you know, God says, repent for the kingdom is at hand. I believe we have to think from God's perspective if we really want to see the kingdom move in our lives. You will be amazed once you identify the truths, as you speak these truths over yourselves, you can actually form new neural pathways in your mind. So the importance of the, the power of declarating truth over ourselves makes such a big difference. You know, um, with a word, God created the universe. Death and life is in the power of our tongue. Our words are so much more powerful than we realize. 
And so often we declare things over ourselves like, oh, I'm such an idiot. Oh, I'm a failure. Oh, I'm, I can't do this. And these are, these are powerful things that we're speaking over ourselves. We need to stop partnering with these lies of the enemy and start declaring over ourselves who we truly are, who God has made us to be. God's word is powerful and it does not return void. Even if we don't know what to declare, we can, we can declare scripture over ourselves. We can declare promises over who we are, what God says we are. It makes such a difference and helps us get rid of these old mindsets which are holding us back from entering the kingdom of God and seeing it open up in the world around us. Another question I'd like to ask is, what are we being influenced by? Because we are powerful to choose what we allow in. Graham Cook says, what you focus on, you empower. We get, we're powerful people and we get to choose what we're giving permission to influence our life. Is it the word of God and his perspective? Or is it the world around us, the news and popular opinion? Remember this verse says, do not be conformed to the world. We have to make that conscious decision that we're not coming under the value systems of this world and the things that we're hearing um, on a daily basis. We was at the um, European Leaders Advance last week, and um, I love the way that Graham Cook talked about this. He said, um, you know, we, it's like when we, we, ha we get into a car, and if we don't like the radio station, we have the power to change the channel. So many of us... Um, just continue to listen to these channels. He, he called it um, futility mode, FM. And that was the mode where the, you know, you've got the accuser of the brethren speaking to you. You've got the channel saying, I'm a failure, I'll amount to nothing. You've got the, you know, the channels of the world saying, oh, it's all doom and gloom. Um, you know, things are getting worse. And we can come under these mindsets or we can change the channel and say, God, what are you saying? What is the things that he is speaking over us? Because that is really all what matters. We need to be defined what he's saying and not what the world is saying. I just wanted to briefly touch on this. There's something called uh, neuroplasticity, which is the ability of the brain to form new connections, grow new, new neurons, and change how its circuits are wired. Science has proven that we can truly choose what we want to believe. In other words, transforming the physical structure of the brain on a microscopic level, you, could, you can actually see the transformation take place if you looked closely enough. Whoever said, you can't teach an old dog new tricks was lying. I just want to break off the lie from anyone in this room that you think, this is the way I am, this is, um, this is who I am, you know, I'm, I'm held back because of you know, various different issues. No. You can teach an old dog new tricks. We all have limitless possibilities. Another way to look at it is to see our belief system as uh, like lenses or filters. All the sensory input that comes into our brain is filtered by these belief systems on a subconscious level. And that is what we perceive to be reality. Our brains are looking for evidence of what we already believe. For example, if someone believes no one likes me, and that is a, a belief system they have, whenever they go into a conversation with someone, even if it's the most friendly, lovely person in the world, they will look for evidence of what they already believe. They will look for all the little indicators of that person does not like them. This is how our brains work. When we change our thinking, 
we change our beliefs. And when we change our beliefs, it changes our reality and that ultimately changes our behavior. That just brings to mind the picture that Steve shared about the hoverflies. You know, they're, they're limited. They're trying to get out, but they're limited by something. And that limitation is our, is our belief system, our thinking. Um, but this process of renewing the mind is, is it can be sovereignly a, a move of God where you can suddenly have a mindset shift, but often it is a process. And um, we just... Sometimes it requires discipline and repetition until we create new thought processes in our mind. In simple terms, if you think about creating new um, thought processes and neural pathways, it's like building a new road in a dense forest. Initially, it's hard. There's resistance. You require effort and conscious will. Initially, these, these truths that God's speaking to us might not seem true at all, but we have to keep persevering and speaking them out and declaring them out over ourselves, abiding in him and letting them become real so we can create new pathways in the forest that until we have made these pathways, our brains will subconsciously take the pathway of least resistance, which is the old way of thinking and the old mindsets. The example that I want to share that was one of the most significant for me this last year is I always used to believe that God had made me shy. This was my personality. This is who I was. Never in a million years would I ever want to speak on the stage in front of people. Never would I want to lift my hand and give my opinion. I believed what I had to say was um, worthless and, and not amount to much. Because I had this belief system, I would look for evidence everywhere that this was true until it created a stronghold in my mind. But God showed me these areas that this was a limitation that the enemy had put on me. I don't believe God has designed any of us to be limited by anything. We are new creations and we are able to operate on the same level of freedom as Jesus did on this earth because of the price he paid. We don't need to be limited by these old mindsets anymore. It's greatly freeing to realize that we are defined by our creator and not our past and not our experience. We are new creations in Christ, and our thinking needs to catch up with that reality. We are victorious overcomers, conquerors, world changers. If we actually start to believe the word of God, of who we are, who he says we are, we would be unstoppable to advance the kingdom, God's kingdom in this world. So I just want to um, end with this image. I, I, found, I just found it quite powerful when I was looking at the word transformation in the Greek, it's pronounced something like metamorpho, something like that. And that's where we, where we get our word metamorphosis from. What comes to me is the picture of a caterpillar being metamorphosized into a butterfly. Two completely different creatures. We want to be free to fly and live as the new creation that God has already made us to be. But sometimes our minds need to catch up with this reality and be metamorphosized. It means saying yes to the process. The caterpillar has to go into the chrysalis and its whole being is dissolved. Its DNA is completely um, reorganized and it has to give up its own, its previous way of life. But once it surrenders to the process, it, something glorious happens. It emerges as something far more beautiful and magnificent and able to fly. No, no matter how much a caterpillar wants to fly, it will not be able to fly unless it goes through this transformation process. 
So I hope that in the brief time I've had to share with you, I've inspired you to realize that abiding in Jesus and having Holy Spirit inside of you, there is absolutely no limit to the amount that you can be transformed and what God can do through you. Who the Son sets free is free indeed. Mind renewal is all about being fully free and walking in the fullness of what Jesus has paid for. God's desire is, is to prove that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. And that can only be manifest in our lives when we're fully walking with the full sense of who we are and who God made us to be. So we, Steve and I just want to pray, um, have a bit time of ministry about maybe people that have, have struggled with strongholds in their thinking, where they have felt um, things have held them back, where they feel small, where they feel insignificant, where they look at scriptures where, you know, Jesus says, greater things than these you will do. And you look at these scriptures and you think, oh, well, that's not, that's not for me. Where you've seen yourself as small. I want to say today, God sees you as a righteous son and daughter. There is nothing impossible for you. There is no limit to what you can do because you have the very spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead living inside of you. You are not insignificant. You are important. You are powerful. And what you believe cha will change the world. So um, this is why I feel it's so important that we, um, yeah, just come into a time of ministry. Yeah, so we're just going to have a time of prayer if you want to um, stand, if you're willing. Um, first of all, we all want, you know, like Molly said, that, that we would prove what is that good and perfect and acceptable will of God. And, and some of you might be in different places. Um, I, I know like, I'm still on maybe number three and, and, and number two in some ways. Like, I, I'm still in this process of getting my mind renewed in so many ways and, and, and discovering even the mercy of God in newer ways. And so, so for some of you, what God might be highlighting for you today is, is, is about understanding deeply in your heart, not just in your head, but the mercies of God, just the, the wonder of his majesty, the, the, the fullness of his love, and, and, and just what he was willing to pay and what he was willing to give and, and, and pour out for you. And the plans he has for you are bigger than you could imagine. Uh, so some of you might be at that point number one where we talked about the mercies of God. And um, some of you might feel like, actually, there's some things like in number two where it says about a living sacrifice. About, about giving it up to him as a willful act of worship in response to his mercy. Or, or he might be asking you to, to lay something down for him, just like he asked me. And that, and that might be the point that helps you progress in, into the next step or, or the things that you're hungering for and desiring for. That might be the thing that you need to lay down to get there. Um, so, yeah, Father, we just ask that you'd reveal to our hearts just what, what you want to what you want to speak to us today every single person in here he wants to bless every single in pers person in here he's got great plans for so we just break lies right now that say you are not significant you, he hasn't got a purpose for you it's lies it's not in alignment with the scripture it's not in alignment with his heart for you he's got great purposes and yet there might be some people who who, who feel like yeah, one and two, they're kind of getting through, but, but maybe the third one, which says about being transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
maybe God's highlighting to you some lies that, that you've been believing about yourself that, that you need to just in your heart just say, God, I'm, I, I repent for believing that lie. What's your truth? And just ask him for a truth. Maybe some of you, it might be um, forgiving someone like someone mentioned this morning and getting freedom in that area. So we're just gonna have a time of just welcoming Holy Spirit. Father, we just welcome you to come and minister to our hearts. We say, come Holy Spirit and speak to us, oh God. Thank you that you're so faithful, the King, and you're so faithful to speak to us when we call out to you. I feel like some of you, he's asking you to get on your knees and just give it to him. Some of you is saying, just give me your mind, give me your thinking, give me your mindsets.